0: the address is called The Mindset of Catholicism Permeating Evangelicalism. The Catholic teachings coming into the evangelical world and being accepted in what is called the evangelical world. The secular newspaper, the Um, New York Times in the year 2004 had a headline where it was talking about 10 years since the document had been published Evangelicals and Catholics together. It was 10 years that afterwards and they spoke about how Christianity had been changed over those 10 years, and they gave examples of how it had changed. A secular newspaper telling you how Catholicism was now accepted in evangelical circles. It was 1994 that it was published, the first document, 1997, Timothy George and Christianity Today published a covering note for the second document, Accepting Catholicism. 20 leading evangelicals and others in the second signing and 20 leading Catholics signing a document that they agreed that they were both brothers and sisters in Christ. Timothy George has gone on to continually address the subject and still endorses Catholics as brothers and sisters in Christ. He's had devastating effect on the Reformed world, the Doctors of Grace world, because he purports to be a Doctors of Grace man of the Southern Baptists. He was one of the founders of the Founders Movement of the Southern Baptists. Reportedly, a doctors of grace man accepting Catholics as brothers and sisters in Christ. And he has had conferences and everything on this. One of the major conferences he had was with a quite well known ministry, Reformation and Revival. Grace Churches had known for many years John Armstrong's magazine and webpage called Reformation and Revival. He spoke about grace alone, faith alone, and it was a wonderful ministry for reformation and evangelistic type of reformation and revival. Then Timothy George worked on him, and he changed. John Armstrong changed, and if you go on his webpage now, it is not Reformation and Revival, it's called ACT3 web page explains, advancing Christian tradition in the third millennium. Reading from the web page, it says, from the beginning we have emphasized equipping leadership for the church that it is to be faithful to scripture and tradition, rooted in piety and grace, no longer accepting scripture alone as the authority, scripture, tradition, be accepted and tradition, and no longer grace alone, but piety and grace. A ministry totally changed what had been really a darkness of grace ministry now becomes advancing Christian tradition in the third millennium. That's just a small example of what is going on as so-called Doctors of Grace people, like J.I. Packer, the Doctors of Grace man, purportedly, had gone through my own Ireland whipping up people to sign Evangelicals and Catholics together, the Irish document that has devastated the Gospel in Ireland. But these men... Who purportedly call themselves grace men out to get people to accept and grace churches to accept Catholics as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we have to see that it is necessary that we address the mindsets of Catholicism because they have permeated and come into the evangelical world. And the first is what changed with the Reformation and Revival ministry is the acceptance of tradition as well as Scripture. That is where things begin to go astray. We have the huge movement that has gone out of America across the world, the emerging church movement. And they, of course, have given up formally, scripture alone, its tradition, and mystical contact with Christ directly, and mystical contact with God, leaving out Christ. It is horrendous stuff that is going out from the United States, permeating different parts of the world. It distresses me when I get letters from pastors, like in Malawi and some other African countries where this acceptance of tradition has gone forth and is devastating churches in African countries. In Cameroon and Africa too, even though it's French-speaking, some of these things go into the French language, where tradition is accepted. And we have... Churches that call themselves Baptist Church, Community Bible Church, and on and on, accepting that we live in a post-modern times and we live in a culture that is different. And we need we need the business world, we need psychology to understand and teach our children. We need C.S. Lewis and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, to teach children, and Tolkien's. Lord of the Rings, you know. We need these things. And in Sunday schools and things, teaching young people mystical sidesteps into the occult, which is horrendous, approaching God in ways outside Scripture. And so the very basis of truth, which the Scripture said, Christ said, Scripture cannot be broken. Thy word is truth and evangelical churches being swept aside. I saw before my own eyes, my first ministry was with the Conservative Baptist Church, and I went door to door. I witnessed, I did conferences with the Conservative Baptists. There's hardly a Conservative Baptist Church now that is not liberal and has not forsaken the gospel. And it started with... Accepting tradition as equal to the scripture, we live in a world where evangelicals have been taken over with the Catholic mindset, and we are to be Bereans and to stand strong and to expose these things. We are to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints it 's not simply to be upset by it but like Christ reached out to the Pharisees and those who were, who were being exposed to their teaching, we reach out and give the true gospel. We reach out to churches that have lost the scripture alone as the basis of truth. And churches with so called scripture, one of the most popular ones brought in by Rick Warren, we'll be speaking about tonight, is the Message Bible. It's not a Bible. It's a paraphrase that is mystical and is horrendously evil in what it says. It calls itself the Bible. We we have these things and a dependence on human ways of business and psychology permeating churches that had been biblical so we have to see how important this is and to come back to what Christ Jesus said thy word is truth and bring people back to the scripture alone as the authority and this is where the attack has gone on and has been frighteningly successful and it's for us the people of God to wake up and to begin to show what it is to be a true Bible believer who stands as Christ did and the Apostles. We do not think beyond what is written in the Word of God, that we do not think above what God has said. We do not add to his Word. The second mindset that has permeated evangelicalism is the moral condition of man. How does man stand before the All-Holy God. The Catholic mindset is very lucidly contained in their documents. Vatican II documents gave a quite clear description of what man is. They say that he is wounded and that he is able out of his self, inner self, to find God by deciding his own destiny. I'd like to read the exact words, the document Gaudium at space, paragraph 14. Quotation Man has been wounded by sin. He finds by experience that his body is in revolt. When he is drawn to think about his real self he turns to those deep recesses of his being where God who probes the heart await him and where he himself decides his own destiny in the sight of God. So they see man as wounded. He's somehow incapacitated, wounded, but nonetheless he can look at his true self, he can look into his own heart and decide his own destiny. Now this is where, where it is come into evangelicalism, it's frightening. The same Billy Graham whom I had listened to way back then is still having an influence, and through Franklin Graham, his son, and his ministry, you can go on their web page and read what they say. They say, quotation, man is in sin, rebellion, and separation from God, yet he is still able to obey repent and believe and invite Jesus to come and control your life. Quotation from the Billy Graham Association. He's still able. He's, so he may be a little bit wounded but he's, he's still able. He just pull himself up by his bootstraps and you know, get to it. He's still able. And it's the same with the navigators and nav press. that you, you can and you must Quotation, everybody must decide individually whether to receive christ it is It's a must you must make up your mind, so you're capable you may be wounded, but you can with a little help from God or so, you can do it your own way it is It is really. Really strange. I used to think when I was reading some of this as a priest, and Frank Sinatra, we famous song. You know, I did it my way. I say, man, these evangelicals are like Frank Sinatra. You know, I did it my <laughs> I did it my way. You know, okay, with a little help from God, but frightening, frightening, frightening. And this is what has come into the so-called evangelical world. The Charisma magazine, which is quite popular among. These so-called churches, they save quotation from one of the recent magazines, the Pastor of revival Ministry International has taken its Great Awakening tour, mobilizing church goers to evangelize their communities. So far, the ministry has registered 9,500 decisions for Christ. So they tell you how many decisions they've gotten. They're like touchdowns and, you know, goals and, you know, runs that you score. And, you know, it, it's, it's like sports. You know, you, you, you how many, many, many have succeeded in, in winning to Christ or getting them to make their decisions. It is really sad. The scripture says we're saved by grace through faith. And the apostle Paul said, if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, grace is no, no longer grace in Romans chapter 11. This obliterates the God of grace if man is just wounded and capable of doing it his own way. It is devastating. And a person who has made their decision for Christ and still living worldly, they're told that they should continue to make Christ saviour and make him Lord. You don't make him saviour, you don't make him Lord. He is saviour and he is Lord. But they say, well, you're just a carnal Christian and you've got to work at it. it. When it comes down to daily life, people are in guilt. They have done the evangelical walk in the aisle, they've signed the card, they've made their decision and they're still, they're still in pain. These are people we reach out to in everyday life. It is really interesting when you ask a person, Are you Christian? and they say they are, and then ask them, How are you made right with God? That is some of the more important witnessing we do to people who call themselves evangelical and have the mindset that you can, you can, you are the one who self made decision brings you to accept Christ. Witness to people like that. And when you see the Lord save people out of false evangelicalism, you just give glory to God. Because this is horrendous. Churches calling themselves First Baptist Community Bible Church and on and on. And they have been hit first of all with the evangelicals and Catholics together and then all of these teachings by these so-called associations, campus crusade. You know, you have to make your decision after you told God loves you and has a plan for your life. It's all all you have to do is make that final decision. Horrendous. We give the true gospel to these people and we come back to what what is the mindset of God in the bible you've been dead <laughs> in trespasses and sins dead spiritually dead there's none righteous no not one the news that we begin telling people is that we are all sinners before the all-holy God, and we're not incapacitated or wounded. We are spiritually dead. Right. And when a person says, well, well, that takes away all my hope, or, what, what do I do? We well, look to God. <laughs> you don't look into your human heart. Look to him. Cry out to him. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and live, Christ Jesus said. And it's amazing how the Lord uses the word. And so the mindset creeping into evangelicalism that people are just wounded, we bring them back to the scripture and teach them that they're spiritually dead and they look to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And they believe on him alone. The... Mindset of Catholicism, that you're born again by pouring water on somebody's head you know, or whatever way you baptize them. And that is how a person is made a Christian. You say, this has come into evangelicalism. I'd like to read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 13 or 1213, quotation, Holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life. Through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. Baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through water and the word. Regeneration, reborn. The Catholic Church says when they baptize a baby, it's a new creature. It has been born again. Race churches have accepted this and some of them quite well known. Those of you who are in the homeschool movement may know of Doug Wilson. He's very big in the homeschool movement. He's very big in Federal Vision as well. And he says that people are born again by baptism. And uh, it's... Um, it's in his book that he has written called Reformed is Not Enough. He states the following quotation, baptism is our introduction to union with him. While we do not take the connection between water baptism and grace and salvation as an absolute, we do take it as a norm. Okay, so this is what is normal. There's a, there's a connection between the physical water and grace and salvation. A grace, so-called grace church and churches influenced by him and the whole federal vision movement. The Presbyterians used to be the stalwarts for the faith. If you read the history of Scotland and England and the great revivals... They went forth from the Presbyterians and how they evangelized Catholics and others. They used to be. And now this major movement called Federal Vision, sometimes called the Auburn Avenue theology, has swept the United States whereby infant baptism is regenerative. Steve Wilkins, I met him once personally. When we were in Portland, Oregon. I got from him a series that he did on infant baptism and why it was necessary to see how children could be born again by infant baptism way back then. He's become even more well-known in this movement, accepting and working together with Doug Wilson and he sees that you are elect once you have been baptized, but it's conditional election, so he he um, he sees that that um, the election is conditional if you remain faithful to Christ. If not, you are no longer elect. So it's like God made a mistake in his sovereignty in choosing you. Because you weren't faithful. And uh, this is the sort of thing, this concept of being faithful and your salvation depending on your faithfulness is another wing of this Presbyterian movement. It is actually a bigger wing than Federal Vision. It's called the New Perspective New Perspective on Paul, where they have a new way of looking at Paul's theology. And the whole emphasis is that when you believe, you are received into the covenant. And if you remain faithful, finally, at the very end of your life, if you've remained faithful, you will be justified and you will get into the presence of God federal vision, it's devastating because it says a new perspective. It's the old lie of Satan. God has not said, and it's not salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, it's by your faithfulness. And this is frightening. One of the more well-known people who really helped start the whole movement is a man called N.T. Wright in the U.K., And he says the following in his book, What St. Paul Really Said. If we use the language of the law court, it makes no sense whatsoever to say that the judge imputes, imparts, bequeaths, conveys, or otherwise transfers his righteousness to either the plaintiff or the defendant. He goes on to say that it's by the believer's faithfulness to Jesus Christ that he will reach final justification in the future. Now, books could be written, or some have already been written on the Federal Vision, and this most important aspect that goes beyond the Federal Vision, the new perspective. This is horrendous because it's taking down Reformed churches, and particularly Reformed churches, but not only Reformed churches. They're trying to influence different parts in America. And it is purportedly grace churches. And they're very, very much militant people and very much wanting to get out their message. We have to really be aware of the age in which we live. We contend for the faith in the 21st century, and we are Berean and compare things to scripture in this day and age. The reformers had different ways in which they, they, at their time, before the Vaudois, the Waldenses and the early believers, withstood Rome's mindsets, particularly the Vaudois, the Waldenses later on. They withstood Rome. But we have to stand now as Rome has got her mind into Presbyterian and grace churches that it is not by anybody's faithfulness. It is by the grace of our gracious God that we're saved by faith and no other way. And anything else is an anatomist cursed by God. As Paul said to the Galatians, it's a cursed gospel, it's no gospel and it's for us to contend for the faith. I would to God that we who are conscious of our heritage as as Bible believers and grace people and know the sovereignty of God, that we would be conscious of the age in which we live and contend for these things. At the Reformation, the Bible believers knew of the printing press that had just come in. Today we have the internet, Many people have Facebooks and blogs, and that's where they contend. And if you don't have a Facebook or a blog, and if you're not contending on this issue, repent before God, because that's the modern day. Just as the reformers had the printing press, we have Facebook, we have blogs. You can have your own web page as well. Speak to the world. Make your voice heard. If you are Berean, show yourself to be Berean. Not in name only, but in fact. And go to web pages that enforce this federal vision and this horrendous new perspective. Contend for the faith in ways that is worthy of a man or a woman of the gospel. We really make a stand because this is where things are being hit, where the the grace churches of the present day are being hit, and it's for us to make a stand and show forth the graciousness of our God in Christ alone, his redemption by his free gift. Roman's Chapter 1, verse 24. The mindset of Catholicism when it comes to how we are right with God is particularly evident where it is in inner righteousness or being made inwardly just, that a person is made right, God by righteousness within the human heart. And so they say in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, their official teaching, paragraph 1992, quotation, justification is conferred in baptism, the sacrament of faith. It conforms us to the righteousness of God, who makes us inwardly just by the power of his mercy. A man or a woman is made right inside yourself so that you have inherent righteousness. You are right because you are right personally in your human heart before God. That is the Catholic teaching. And this has permeated evangelicalism and come into evangelicalism. And it is, again, startling to see Again, we just have to go to the Billy Graham Association or NAV Press or Campus Crusade and we get what they say. Quotation from Billy Graham, webpage." Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus wants you to have a a personal relationship with you. Picture, if you will, Jesus standing at the door of your heart, the door of your emotions, intellect and will. Invite him in. He is waiting to receive you into your heart and life. And they tell you when you've done that, to give you assurance that you really are you have been born again, you really are right with God, in your human heart. Inner righteousness. They twist the scripture. "Behold, I stand at the door and knock, which was written to the lukewarm Christians of Laodicea, not to unbelievers, to the Christians. They misuse that sanctification text to make it look like it was an evangelistic text, and they look to inner your heart. Uh, it's it's even more horrendous on the Campus Crusade webpage because they use the word new birth. They say, quotation, when we receive Christ, we experience a new birth. We receive Christ by personal invitation. Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. New birth. Just invite him into your heart, and then you are born again. New birth. They look to the human heart of where salvation is. My own salvation began when I began to see that salvation is not in the human heart. When I was a priest, the first thing I studied when I got nearly died and when I began to study the Bible was where salvation is. Ephesians 1 and 2, I underlined in my Bible 42 times Paul says, in Christ, in him, in whom, accepted in the beloved. In the Philippians, to the Philippians, all through the Philippians, salvation in Christ, Paul's own testimony that I may be found in him. I read John's Gospel, I read the the first letter of John, everlasting life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. It's in him. It's not in any human heart. We're born again in Christ in the heavenlies. We don't look into the human heart. But this is where modern so-called evangelicalism has gone. They're looking into the human heart. The most common phrase in the evangelical world in the United States, and it has gone through, it's gone across the world and it has taken over in England too, is accept Jesus into your heart. It's the exact opposite of what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Accepted in the beloved. You've got to be accepted in him. (laughs) You know that something is satanical when it's the exact opposite of what Scripture says. You're accepted in him. Later on he will come in to sanctify you, praise God. But it's not by having him come into the dead human heart, it's by being accepted in him. And this is where we reach out again in blogs, internet, emails, where we reach out to people to tell them what the true gospel really is. Because here, the focal point of new evangelicalism is the human heart. That is where their tracks, which they mass produce, that's where their tracks emphasize the human heart. There's no salvation there. It's in Christ Jesus. So we get the word out. And um, I would really like to recommend the ministry that, that um, published my two tracks, Are You Right With God? and What Every Catholic Should Know, because they have other tracks too which emphasize the true gospel. When we're giving the true gospel to people who call themselves Christian, that we emphasize who God is, the, the all-holy one, and we emphasize dead and sin, and we emphasize that is in the person of Christ Jesus and Him alone. And that we are, when we are saved, we are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. We have a completeness and an imputed righteousness that is His own. We are as perfect as Christ is. The glory of God's grace, complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. The most devastating of all is the mindset of Catholicism in the use of images. And this is where the Catholic Church has been quite successful. In bringing people to their mindset and bringing them to other aspects of Catholicism, once they get you on idolatry, once they get you to accept pictures of Christ, once they get you to accept Michelangelo's pictures of the Father, his hand touching Adam's hand, and this Spirit as a Dove and things like this, where they get you to accept pictures of God, of Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, DVDs explaining Christ's life. Once the Catholics get you there, then they pull you into the rest of Catholicism. And this is what is so devastating in the present day, is that this has been quite successful. First of all, the history of idolatry. We did not have idolatry in the early church. You just have to read, Peter Alex, read some of the, even Wiley, on, on the history of the early church, the Waldenses and the Vaudois. Study the, the early church. They did not get into idolatry. They were forthright in proclaiming that grace comes by the word spoken and teaching their children to memorise scripture not to see pictures or getting into idolatry. It was in the 8th century that things completely changed and the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells you what their philosophy is. Quotation Paragraph 2132 The Christian veneration of images is not contrary to the first command which prescribes idols. Indeed, the honor rendered to an image passes to its prototype. Whoever venerates an image, venerates the person portrayed in it. You go back, they say, to the person, you go just through the image. That was the philosophy also of Aaron. If you read chapter 32, the historical account in the scripture. He was going to have a feast to the God of Israel. They were going to worship the God of Israel for bringing them out of the land of Egypt by worshiping the golden calf. They were just going through it to the God of Israel. That's what God condemned and that's why we got the commandment, not to have any graven image. But this is the Catholic mindset They quote this in their catechism and then they say in paragraph 21, 31 basing itself on the mystery of the incarnate world, the seventh ecumenical council of Nicaea justified the veneration of icons of Christ but also the mother of God of angels and all the saints by becoming incarnate the son of God introduced a new economy of images. God brought in they said an economy. God changed his mind and what he said in the Old Testament now brought in a new Economy. Is that what Scripture says? Did he change his mind? What did the apostle Paul say on Mars Hill? When he was preaching in Mars Hill, what did he say? He said, God commands all men everywhere to repent, that God is not like gold or silver, or any image. He calls all men everywhere to repent. After the incarnation, the apostles went forth preaching the word explicitly for bad imagery. Christ has explained who he is all through First John, the glories of who Christ is in the written word, and then at the end, having explained, we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding as true, and we are in him, even his Son, Jesus Christ, having explained all of who Christ Jesus is in. Verse 20, he goes on to verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. The great commandment at the end of First John, having explained by the word who Christ is, keep yourself from idols. Paul tells us that changing the glory of God into the likeness of man brings devastating moral consequences. In first, the first letter to the first chapter of Romans, it is frightening to see what idolatry brings. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things, wherefore God gave them to uncleanest the lusts of their heart, dishonoring their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. I was speaking at a reformed ministry, a grace ministry, on the Mexican border, Los Fresnos in uh, Texas and they had a picture where I was talking to students there. They had a picture on the wall of a lion with a crown on his head and a scepter in his hand. The Lion of Judah has triumphed, and they gave a scripture text from Revelation. They were a depiction of Christ as a four-footed creature. I confronted them on that They used to have me come down there year by year. I've not been asked back since. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's not only likeness of man, but even four-footed creatures. And the consequences, the immorality that idolatry brings in, Paul explains. God hates idolatry. And we have to see that we are to interpret Scripture as Scripture tells us. One of the more clear passages, and I'd ask you to really go in this in your Bible whenever you're confronting idolatry, is Deuteronomy chapter 4 from verse 12 to 16. The Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only heard a voice, Take ye good heed unto yourself, for ye saw no similitude on the day the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you an image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. At Sinai, they only heard the voice of God, they did not see any similitude or figure. So what is forbidden is the similitude of God. We're not to make the likeness of God in any art form, Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. And this is where the United States in particular has exported idolatry to the world. When Bill Bright was alive, I wrote to him when he signed Evangelicals and Catholics together the first and second document, and I confronted them on many issues. I got a letter back. They were trying to justify what they were doing. But there's no biblical justification. Campus Crusade, a so-called American evangelistic ministry that reaches out across America and across the world, has devastated Baptist churches and other churches right across Eastern Europe, the UK, all the Western Europe, other parts of the world because they brought in the Jesus video. They say based on the Luke's Gospel. They boast about the millions of people. If you go to their webpage, they tell you about the millions of people. Quotation since 1979, the Jesus William has been viewed by several millions of people across the globe and has resulted in 225 million men, women, and children indicating decisions to follow Jesus. The putrefied gospel message of making your decision at the end of the DVD or video when you look into the eyes of Christ or this abomination called Christ. This is what has been put out to the world. If we do not expose Campus Crusade, we're not worthy of the name Berean because it has been devastating right across the world. It has just permeated Catholicism and idolatry right across the world. And when we contend in emails and as we we present our Facebook and things like this to people across the world, we stand strongly that there's no image to be made of God and we explain it. I just got an email from Albania about three days ago, somebody there thanking me for exposing Campus Crusade and their idolatry and their false gospel we contend for the faith because this has been where this has been where evangelicals have or so-called evangelicals have embraced catholicism and used the catholic ways to bring people into the clutches Not just of sinful human nature, but what Satan would have them believe. This is what we have to face, and to do it as warriors of the faith. Now, how do we respond to all of this? What do we do? How are we to stand? How did the Vaudois stand? How did the Waldenses stand? How did those men and women before the Reformation stand? Those who suffered like the Waldenses under the devastating armies of Rome. How did they stand? They stood on five biblical principles. The mindset of God in five biblical principles. It is quite interesting to see these principles which were later on rediscovered at the time of the Reformation, but the right there in early history of the church to see them in those writings. A person is made right before the Holy God on the authority of Scripture alone. By grace alone, the second principle, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, and to God alone be praise and worship. It's wonderful to see if you read histories of the Reformation where these things were rediscovered, how even young people and teenagers and all could give on their fingertips what, what it was, the mindset of God in Scripture. It's the authority of Scripture alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, and to God only, alone be the glory. On, by, through, on, in, Christ, and to. This is where we have to be explicitly clear in our minds what is the mindset of God, the five biblical principles, and that we have that embedded in us? What is God's mindset in the Scripture? And then when we witness to somebody or the somebody here today, if you are not right with God, if you do not know the peace of God, if you do not know that you're going to, e- to see God in glory in Christ Jesus for all eternity, if you do not know that you have everlasting life, what do you do? Look to Scripture alone. What will the scripture teach you? It teaches you you are dead in trespasses and sin. There's nothing you can do. And that is good news. You may say it doesn't sound too good, but it is good. Because you look to God. That's what I did at the end of my search. After 14 years of search... I saw my heart wasn't any way changed and for all my intellectual knowledge I was no way changed. I prayed to God, I said, show me I'm dead. And he did. Show me there's nothing I could do. He did. But show me then that by your power and grace I can trust on Christ alone. And that he did. And then I began to say And Father, I believe in Christ and Him alone. I believe that I am saved by your grace through faith, and that I am in the person of Christ Jesus. Then, for the first time, I had peace with God, age 48. But this is where, if you are here today and you do not know what it is to be right with God, look to Him based on his scripture alone, for his grace alone. And know that he gives you the very faith. It is his gift. Pray to him for the faith. We don't have it in us. He will give you the gift of faith. And then you will know that you're secure in Christ alone. And then you will know that All praise, all worship, all glory is to God alone. Not to any Greek icon. Not to any Greek icon. Not to any Russian, Serbian, Albanian, Romanian form of Christ, which are right across the world. Not to any Bill Brights. Campus Crusade, Jesus on the cross, on their DVDs, not to any picture of Christ. No, all glory is to God alone. We worship him in spirit and in truth. And this is where we come to the glorious gospel of salvation and where we are men and women of the faith contending in a very real world. I just urge you to really make a stand. I mentioned there, you would say in passing, but it's not in passing because it's a huge part of the world, the Greek Orthodox. Look at Hungary. Look at Romania. Look at Bulgaria. Look at Serbia. Even Russia itself. They're all all taken over by greek orthodoxy their idolatry and their false ritualistic sacraments and i ask you to contend for the faith with the orthodox as well we get so little support we have a greek orthodoxy web uh, folder on our webpage you just go to greek greek orthodoxy i ask for help particularly you young men and women you who after your mother's milk came onto computers, you know, you know you know, these things. I was 59 when I started to learn. You have grown up with them. This is where the battle is going on, on the internet. I ask you to help us. We have some helpers out there. We are having, we are, when we get something good written, we'll get it into Russian, we'll get it into Serbian, we'll get it into the languages of these countries to contend for the faith. With Greek Orthodoxy, because it is just a slightly different form of Catholicism. Leaving out the Pope as absolute, it's the same thing. And it has devastated nations. These are real people. And when you get replies by email, and you get replies from Serbia and Romania, and you see that English is spoken in many countries of the world, It's an encouragement to your human heart. You can speak to people through the internet in these nations. You can contend for the faith with the Orthodox like you do with the Catholics, because it's the same thing. It's the same debased mindsets, enslaving populations. When you work with Russians after a while, they will tell you, the Bible believers, and I know some way up you know, in the, in the colder parts of Russia, in Siberia. They will tell you that it's worse now than it was under the Soviet Union. Putin has brought it back and his puppets since he stepped down. It's worse. The Orthodox Church working together with the state church. How they suffer. How they're put in prison. How their churches are closed down by the state reach out to people in these countries. Have a heart to be Berean at the present day in the real world in which we live. And have a heart to evangelise so-called evangelicals who have swallowed all of Rome's mindsets and are floating around in their carnality and in their unsaved condition. Reach out and let's, let us see God work through this church in its members day by day as they contend for the faith. And in our daily witnessing, something I emphasize in the first hour at the supermarket, at the hairdresser, when we're at the, at the bank, any place we go that we give the gospel message and truth and in the power of God and we see people saved to his glory and grace and then we know that our God lives he reigns, he is sovereign and we see that he uses even us his unprofitable service, are profitable in him <laughs> to his, by his grace that we would be faithful to give his word and may he be glorified praised, worshipped and honoured now and forevermore Amen and amen. Praise God.